Welcome to the PRBI Insider presented by PR Boutiques International. The very best PR results required tailored strategies and individual attention. Effective techniques vary considerably from market to market and culture to culture. So when we create a program, rather than laying out prescribed solutions lacking in freshness and vitality, we start with careful consideration of our clients' objectives and plan a creative roadmap. PRBI, a constellation of boutique agencies connecting cultures and sectors. Hello, I'd like to welcome David Ball, our guest today on the PRBI Insider podcast series, Influencing Stakeholders and Building Consensus. David is the president and founder of Ball Consulting Group, LLC, which is a strategic communications firm in the Boston area that works with healthcare organizations, nonprofits, and higher education clients on a national basis to communicate both proactively and, when needed, reactively. Ball Consulting Group is a leading provider of crisis planning and communication services, and they frequently advise clients about the use of town hall-style forums to manage internal and external matters. And that's the subject of our discussion today, is using the town hall forum and best practices connected with it. So welcome, David. Thank you, Joy. Nice to be here with you today. And can I say congratulations to you on your recent honor? Oh, thank you very much. This is a Reagan Communication Award. Thank you so much. Wonderful. So we're going to start out with the basics and talk about what is a town hall. Right. So a town hall is has multiple purposes and, and uh, can take place in many different ways. But essentially, it's a way to create a forum where people can get together, information can be provided, and there's an opportunity for dialogue. And and really, I think the way that I always try to think about it is in terms of engagement and empowerment, so that your goal is really to try to engage with a key constituency or multiple constituencies and to empower people by providing information. Well, I think sometimes we think of a town hall as a, a in political context because they're often used by political candidates and for various uh, civic issues. But what you're saying is that it, it has many other uses uh, besides that. In terms of bringing communities together, maybe we could talk, first of all, about using a town hall internally. Say, uh, how would an organization use a town hall for its internal constituents, i.e. its employees? Yes, I think that's far and away the currently the biggest use of town hall style meetings. And essentially, if you think back to the, the way employee communications have worked over time, far too often uh, there's a memo communicating a new policy or a new change distributed to employees and people are supposed to adhere to uh, whatever the change is or be up to date on, on a new policy. And that's really a one-way, a form of one-way communication. And generally, uh, people uh, in any setting, but particularly employees, find change uh, overwhelming um, or disconcerting or worrisome. And sometimes it's not even much of a change at all. But just the fact that they're being told that their routine is going to be different is something that causes a lot of anxiety. So it's better for organizations to have a dialogue uh, with people. And it's it's best when the leadership of an organization 
or senior members of the senior management team can directly provide the impetus for that change and try to allay concerns that people have, answer questions, and be accessible and available. So, and this is something that's commonly done uh, with CEOs. You can go online and look at uh, Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook, meeting with employees all over the world via town hall forum. So it's really a way to ensure that you've got, first of all, communication directly with your employees and two-way communication with the employees. It's also important to ensure that people who are going to be carrying out a new policy with, again, different constituencies, customers, or clients, that they understand the messaging and why something is being changed uh, and how it should be communicated. And so the town hall can be an important serve an important purpose uh, in that regard as well. So if someone's doing an internal town hall, how would that be structured? How long would it be? What would the different components of it? And in particular, how is it structured so that it it facilitates that two-way communication? It's something that really does require planning. Pre-COVID, the vast majority were done in person as opposed to teleconference or video conference. That's obviously all changed in the last 14 months, although I imagine we'll be returning to some form of of in-person town hall forums. But it's something that really needs to be thought through. What is the presentation going to look like? Who is going to, what's the agenda? uh, What's the roster of speakers uh, for the event? Um, How are we going to engage people so that they're interested in what we're communicating and what do we hope to get back from them? Is there going to be a video component where we're going to show them something? How are the que- are the questions going to be uh, just uh, impromptu where people raise their hand or is there going to be a facilitator who takes those questions and, and uh, helps moderate the, the feedback from the employees? These are all things that you really want to think through. Now, sometimes we do a lot of crisis management work and sometimes town halls come up in that context and you may not have that much time but like anything else the more you're able to plan it think through the response and do a dry run the better off it's going to be and think too about things like seating you know are you going to have theater style seating the auditorium style seating where people just sit down and and take in the information or are you going to try using tables for instance where people will collaborate with co-workers and and be more engaged not only hopefully with the message coming to them, but with their their uh, colleagues sitting there right next to them. We talked about some of the reasons why someone might want to have an internal town hall, like if the company is going through organizational changes or acquisitions. Uh, employees, of course, are always concerned about how this is going to affect their job and their job security. Things that might be introduced, maybe new new technologies that are going to change how people do their jobs. There might be a particular issue. You know, we've seen this last year, many companies getting involved and being more forthright and outspoken about issues in society and taking positions and communicating those to their employees. What are the dangers of a town, an internal town hall? You know, what could happen that could, there's a risk, you know, in giving everyone an open forum to talk, and yet it has to happen in order for that two-way communication to occur. What are some of the risks and, and how can they be dealt with? Well, I think the, the biggest risk in most cases will be 
that the town hall forum will turn into a gripe session and people get emboldened when they hear their colleagues kind of pushing back on the leaders of an organization or management. So you want to structure it in a way, hopefully, that you can recapture and recast the event, you know, if it's becoming simply a, a gripe session about the company or about the organization. There's other considerations. Obviously, whatever you put forward in that town hall forum, you want to ensure that uh, if the town hall forum got out in some way, that someone was recording it or reporting on it, that it's, that those are messages that you want you know, outside, uh, that you know, your messaging should be designed in a way so that what's going to employees you know, ultimately is what's going to go to the, the public. But you'd want to avoid, I think, incredibly sensitive or uh, confidential, really any sensitive or confidential information, because you have to assume that if you're telling 500 employees that the likelihood that that's going to go to some external party, whether you know it's a member of the news media or a regulator or what have you, the, the chances are fairly high. So it has to be a choreographed message. It doesn't mean fake. It just means you have to think through what you're saying and share the information that you want out there. I also wanted to mention that a lot of times when we're doing crisis response in a situation that involves an employer, we'll build the town hall forum into our program, into our sequencing of how we're communicating around the particular crisis. So it it does serve a strategic aim as well as just being an employee uh, communication vehicle. Well, and in today's world, you know, everyone has a cell phone with recording capabilities and video capabilities. So I understand, I think that's uh, wise to assume that somehow this information is going, going to get out and to structure it accordingly. What can you do if someone is disruptive in a kind of a, it's internal, but it's still public to the internal audience? Yes, I think that Certainly, you'd, you'd engage in the same kinds of tactics uh, that you would in any other setting, which is to try to divert from their behavior, uh, whether it's calling on other individuals and asking them to be respectful. And um, in the same way you see with this often happens actually at annual meetings for companies that are publicly traded, you know, anyone can buy a share of stock and that gives them a right to the microphone. And so I think it's the same kind of uh, tactics that you would use, which is to ask them to be respectful or to suggest that, that a one-on-one might be available so that they can speak more directly about their own situation and um, probably wouldn't rule out, you know, ensuring that if someone's really disruptive or rude or, you know, using language that's foul, that there'd be security on hand as well, like any other public gathering, but hopefully you wouldn't need that. So let's talk about uses of town halls for external purposes, say within the community or within uh, the business world. What are some reasons why a company or an organization might want to do a public-facing town hall? Yes, well, um, there's also a hybrid there too, Joy, because we work with a lot of trade associations that have members all over the country or all over the world. And a lot of times they're trying to debrief on a particular policy matter um, or educate members or get or get members to advocate for a particular policy change. So I've we've had several of our trade association clients have done town hall forums that are virtual, um, that are designed to connect with their members. I guess technically that would be an internal communication because it's part of their organization, but I just wanted to mention that. Uh, truly external 
town halls we've been involved with with regard to neighbor issues. Um, so, for instance, a nonprofit service providing agency has purchased a home and is going to operate a program, and there's a expected to be a fairly hostile reaction in terms of neighbors not wanting that siting to take place. And so often we encourage our clients, don't just, uh, again, it's it's all about the two-way communication. And you hope that by engaging in two-way communication, you can prevent a more damaging outcome, such as a negative news story or you know, governmental relations issues uh, that could occur. So by engaging with people, you can provide information. So we've had clients that um, have had neighborhood meetings that are essentially town hall forums where they convene everyone and try to provide their rationale and the steps that they're going to take to mitigate concerns that neighbors have and just to answer questions head on. So, and then there's a lot of, of course, variations of the town hall forum, but there are organizations that have, you know, customer, you know, uh, or user meetings, you know, you know, meetups where they get information from people that might not be called a town hall, but there's a lot of different types of venues and forums that really fall under that same rubric and same operating principle of trying to to engage in a conversation even when you're a large corporate or commercial entity and you've got many different uh, members of the of your public what are the characteristics of a of a town hall that's that's successful I mean, what are the goals that you want to have? I realize they may they may differ, but say if you're doing an external town hall, what might be some of the goals that you have and, and how do you know if you actually achieved it? Well, I think you want to have people walk away with the sense that they were heard and that they have an op- that they have a dialogue with the organization because if they don't have a dialogue with your organization, they may have a dialogue with some other you know, party, again, a reporter, you know, someone who who could create greater challenge for you down the road. So I think you want people to feel like they have a dialogue, that they're engaged, that they've been perhaps that notions that they had that weren't accurate have been corrected. And I think in the case of the the internal town hall, which is, you know, again, I think the largest and most likely format for a town hall, I think you want employees to feel that they want to feel again it's engagement and it's and it's a sense of being empowered you know that their voice counts that their perspectives are are taken seriously that you don't want people to walk away more frustrated uh, we once did uh, a series of town hall meetings uh, over a new electronic medical records software that was being instituted and we wanted people to walk away from those sessions with a sense of excitement because a lot of times when employees, when you're talking about employees with a new uh, system or new software, it's it creates a lot of anxiety. You know, how is my workflow going to change? Is it going to take me more time to document files? Am I going to lose time with my customer or my patient? And so you really want to allay those concerns and you want people to feel, to walk away feeling excited about the change. Like, I can do this. It's going to make my life easier. It's going to make my job easier. Uh, I'm going to be better at what I do. So I think you want to really, really, you know, encourage people and and make them feel excited about the change that's coming up ahead. Not always possible, of course, if you're using a town hall to communicate job reductions, reductions in force or um, changes to benefits or switching from 
the defined benefit pension plan to a 401k. There are things that are, that are people are going to be unhappy about no matter how you communicate it. And I think in that case, it's just a matter of people feeling like, well, at least I got the straight scoop. I know what's going on. I'm still unhappy about it, but I, I feel like I'm a little bit more in control of my destiny because it for employees who may not want to, who, you know, in some cases, people may be so fearful of a change, you know, the office is being moved or, you know, my you know, shifts are being changed. You know, they may have to make decisions themselves about their own career. Uh, obviously, the goal of all of this is, is for retention. But sometimes, um, you know, you are going to provide enough information that people will make decisions that may mean that they move on. But that certainly is not the, the goal uh, of the town hall. You know, we talked about the information in the town hall. Obviously, if it's an externally facing town hall, it's public and anyone can come. And it might be covered by the news media if there if it is a controversial situation. So how do you in a, a situation that where there might be, you know, some negatives to the message or some antagonism already existing, how do you manage that process uh, you know, with the news media, you know, what's going on in social media and so forth to try to to again mitigate conflict and bring people together? Well, I think that you always prepare for when you're doing something, certainly externally and even internally, you always prepare for for anything to happen and anyone to to cover it or raise any issues. But I think you can try to control the outcome of it in part. You can use social media, you can live tweet from a town hall forum and and put information that you're trying to communicate to people there out into one of your public channels. I think the greatest mistake that anyone can make in a situation like that is to be in you don't want to appear inflexible and like well that you you wouldn't want someone to think they're not listening to me they're just you know they're they're steamrolling me you know and and you know not respecting my position so i think if, if you can show people that you care show people that you're open to change and to adjustment that's you know that's another key piece like this we're not handing you something that's etched in cement here and you know not telling you it's going to happen either way and it's going to happen the way we want it to happen but rather that you have a role in this you have a role in shaping this and that's why we're here is to get your input and i think if you keep reiterating those themes you'll you'll end up in a better place mm-hmm. you know a couple of issues going on in society right now may make it hard to get people to actually to attend a town hall in public and as you say it's had to be remote for the last year what are some of the options, and, and this goes for internal town halls as well, of doing a town hall or bringing people together to have these discussions other than maybe a traditional format? I think that for the foreseeable future, there's always going to need to be a virtual option. I mean, most large employers aren't bringing back uh, their full teams on a full-time basis in-house um, until at least after Labor Day. And uh, I think for the next, I don't, I wouldn't want to put a number, but I'm going to think like the next half year or so, it's going to take time for people to readjust to being w- around others and close contact with other people. So I think for, from a health perspective and a pandemic perspective, there needs to be an option for people to either attend in person or virtually and uh, mandating one or the other may not make a, a whole lot of sense. Certainly mandating in person may not, may not make sense. There's also, you know, uh, security concerns, right? The, we're seeing really a, a much more, frankly, I think, divided and violent nation 
than we've seen, you know, in, in recent decades. And, and, um, and that, you know, is being fueled by a lot of different things, both foreign and domestic. So security has to be, when you're doing any kind of public event, and not just a town hall, but any, any event that you're planning, you really do have to be focused on safety and security of people and making people feel comfortable. You know, it's, uh, it's a kind of a sad uh, statement of, of where we are, but I think that safety has to always come, come first, and that means both safety for public health purposes as well as uh, physical safety. And there could be different formats for bringing people together, too. Like we had talked uh, previous to the broadcast about maybe it's a roundtable. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's an informational webinar. Uh, there was a school district where you brought parents together to interview candidates for the uh, leadership positions uh, so that they felt they were part of the process right. and had a stake in the uh, in what was going on and the decisions that were being made. And this ties back to the goal of the town hall, which is to to work to achieve con- consensus and engagement. And along those lines, you know, some of the things that could be done in the town hall is recognize you know the people who are there, employees and stakeholders, and having people other than the CEO perhaps who are presenting, like subject matter experts, even representatives within the community. And we also talked about the use of polling that can help to broaden engagement. Could you address the possibility of using polling in a town hall? Yes, I think that's a great point. And I also just wanted to say, you know, a lot of this too depends on the style of the leadership of an organization. You know, some CEOs are really comfortable doing like a TEDx talk, you know, where they have just a, a lava layer and they can walk back and forth, And but others aren't. They need structure and notes. And so I think a lot of it relies just on how comfortable someone is in that, in that format and everyone's different. I think one of the great things about the video conferencing programs that exist now, and some are, they're all different from one another, and I'm not endorsing any particular product, but my, I am um, most familiar with Zoom. And there are a lot of great features um, that you have, you know, breakout sessions, polling. Uh, we did one uh, webinar just recently using the Zoom platform with uh, two polls built into it. And, you know, the polls are in real time. You can see the reaction, uh, see the, the uh, results and people watching the program see the results. So I think that technology is terrific and really allows for a lively program because you're adapting um, your messaging and what you're saying based on how people feel about a particular issue or situation. So I think that that leveraging all of the different features of the video conferencing platforms that exist is really important. I also think it's important, this probably goes without saying, but that you have uh, your I's dotted and T's crossed when it comes to the technology, have someone who is really conversant um, in all those different features because nothing's worse than going to any public event and there being, you know, a blank screen or the, the myriad technological problems that we all see all the time at school committee meetings and other other public events. That's so true. A couple of things we also talked about in terms of internal best uh, town hall best practices uh, that we just I just wanted to summarize. Uh, first of all, the important importance of bringing news to employees first. You can't always stop the rumor mill, but before there's any major company announcement that affects employees, it's important that they know and understand that, and also that the supervisors are empowered with information because they're the people that employees are going to turn to. You know, what do you think about this? What did what does this mean? 
And this goes beyond the just putting out information via the HR department, uh, where the communication is really being channeled throughout the organization. Also, just logistically ensuring that all the shifts and all the groups can participate and making sure that it's uh, during work hours. And in our world today, this may mean doing different town halls for different time zones and also even locations if we're able to do it and uh, do them in person. So finally, I just wanted to ask about uh, your advice in supporting the town hall with other types of communication and education tactics. Like you mentioned one example where, of how it fit in with a strategic communication plan. So it's not a one isolated piece of communication, but it uh, is part of um, a systematic strategic approach. What other co- types of uh, communication tactics might be involved in getting that message out? Yeah, I think you, you always want to touch all the bases. You know, there's a lot of thought needs to go into the sequencing of messages and then the, you know, how that engagement's going to or, or implementation's going to play out. So, for instance, we work on a lot of corporate crises and a lot of times our clients will say, okay, well, we better figure out what we're going to say to the media. And, you know, our response is often that's obviously a key consideration and the key key objective, but we also have to figure out what we're going to say to our employees, what we're going to say to our customers. And we have to um, sequence those communications so, so that they happen in the right in the right order. For instance, um, if you're in a in the business of providing care and something's going to affect the care that's provided to patients, you first want to let your employees know what's happening and then you want to let patients and their families know. And then hopefully if you're, you know, the sequence is orchestrated the right way, you'll put a, a statement out to the to the public about what's happening. But if you get those sequence, if you get those steps wrong, if you don't have the sequence right, you can have a real problem on your hands. Um, so we always try to think about exactly what in what sequence uh, messages are going to be deployed. You know, so what's the message? How am I going to get it out? In what order? And then I think you want to have a lot of different, I think on the internal piece, you want to have a lot of different uh, vehicles for people to express themselves. So people always obviously need the ability to talk to a manager or to talk to HR, but they also, in addition to the town hall, should get regular updates. You know, every, every, in my opinion, every CEO should send out a communication, you know, by email to all employees on some periodic basis. You know, I, I wouldn't prescribe what that basis is, whether it's every Sunday, once a month, once a quarter, once a year, I think probably more frequent than once a year. But the consistently, the, the companies that we see really succeeding on employee engagement and retention uh, are those that have regular communication from the top that where people don't feel disjointed um, from the decisions that are happening. They feel like they have input into the process and they feel like they have multiple places to go when things go wrong in their employment. Um, so that, you know, if they're stymied, even in dealing with a manager, they've got HR, but that they've got a way to, you know, they've got a question box, you know, uh, where they can post a comment or question and senior leadership will respond. And it doesn't necessarily have to always be a technological solution with respect to keeping employees engaged and ultimately retained in an organization. It just, people need to feel as though they they have access. And I was thinking back something even decades ago here in this, in our local market here in Boston, one of the health insurers would have a VP for human resources 
just sit at a phone the same two hours every week with employees calling in you know, with any question they had about anything. Sometimes CEOs do that as well. That's something that really makes people feel like, gee, I've got, you know, I've got an opportunity in another venue or another outlet where I can raise a concern uh, you know, in a way that's not going to be you know, harmful to me. So I think providing people with as many communication uh, lines of communication as you can, communicating regularly with people from the top of the organization, from the CEO, uh, people have to hear from the leaders of their their company. Again, not every CEO is going to be Mark Zuckerberg who can go on stage and just kind of you know talk about you know goals and objectives and vision and answer questions you know in a very impromptu way. Not you know some people need need more structure than that, but having some way for that CEO to be able to reach out directly to employees so they hear from that person. That's critically important. Well, thank you, David. This has been such an informative discussion about town halls and how to use them and and what not to do and what to do. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you would like to bring up for the edification of our listeners? No, Joy, these questions have been great. I've really enjoyed the discussion. Just the two E words, engage and empower, that's really what this is all about through communications. So I, I just, if there's one thing people can walk away from this discussion with, it's it's the fact that there's no bad ever comes from communicating frequently with people, whether it's your own employees or whether it's your, uh, you know, a butters to a building project or your customers, there's no harm comes from from communicating. And that's something that Uh, I think is always, should always be top of mind. Well, thank you very much for being part of our series on influencing stakeholders and building consensus. We look forward to hosting uh, some of our other PRBI experts on some other topics. And this has been a discussion with David Ball, president and founder of Ball Consulting Group in Boston. I want to thank you, David, so very, very much for being our guest. Thanks, Joy. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the PRBI Insider featuring members of the PR Boutique's International Association. Never miss an episode. Go to PRBIinsider.com and follow us in your favorite podcast app or subscribe via email. Learn more about PRBI at PRBoutiques.com.